Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Die Hard Hoops podcast. We got a special treat for you. I am joined by uh, my favorite teammate of all time and a new <laughs> a newbie to the to the podcast, my good buddy and former point guard, Brandon Bitzer. Say what's up to the people, man. I'm happy to be uh, honored, honored to be on the podcast. Uh, good to see you, and I'm excited to get this going. Yeah, man. I, I, I brought Brandon on because he is a... He's a diehard Michigan fan, which is maybe one of his biggest faults, but um, this is a year it looks like to be a Michigan fan. So I know that on this, on the show, we don't focus quite as much on Michigan hoops as we do Michigan state, Michigan's 11 and 0. Um, and so I thought it would be, it'd be all right to put a little focus on them and get Brandon's insight into what the team looks like. Him and I are always texting back and forth about Michigan, Michigan state. Um, so we're going to, we're going to just discuss it. But first, there's been some crazy stuff happening in the NBA, and I know you keep up on that as well. So let's talk about the Harden trade. We might be the first outlet that's breaking this. Yeah. I haven't, haven't really seen it anywhere else, man. No. Um, Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets, so he'll be joining Kevin Durant and maybe Kyrie Irving. But what do you think of that trade? Uh, there's only one ball uh, for that Nets team. I know KD doesn't have a doesn't have a problem with sharing the ball, but Kyrie and well, Kyrie's out right now for, we don't know why, but uh, who knows when he'll be back. But as far as the trade goes, I think you're talking about just nets in general. Yeah. Or Harden in feel, general. Yeah. How do you feel about the team? I'm, I'm undecided yet, but it's yeah. definitely, they got some players. They can score. That's for sure. They'll be able to score. Um, they did get rid of Karis Levert. That's yeah. that has to be noted. Uh, and Dinwiddie's out. But as far as the team, we'll see how long it takes them to gel together. Um, but I don't know. I'm just not a big Harden fan to begin with. Yeah. Um, either. Are yeah. Or, or, yeah. Or Irving either. Um, I don't know. know. I think, I think it definitely is maybe uh, worth the risk if you're the Nets to try to pull that off. I was talking to Steven and we hadn't heard a ton about the nets in terms of them going after Harden. Most of he was usually linked to a couple of other teams like the 76ers, places like that. And I think once Kyrie has maybe started to go off the radar and they're not sure, like if he's going to be back, if he's sitting mm -hmm. out for social justice reasons or whatever his prerogative is, is if they were looking at that and being like, man, we got a short window here with KD. We thought we were pairing him with Kyrie and they were playing really well together. And now yeah, but if Kyrie isn't there, we got to give this Harden thing a try. Yeah. And maybe it'll work better if it's just Katie and Harden, you know, it could, you don't know, but also like the nets mortgaging their future, like they did with KG and Paul Pierce. We'll see how that looks down the road because we don't know if, I mean, Katie looks pretty good right now, but with that Achilles injury, it changes players. I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The injury stuff is what could make all this totally you know, it could set the nets back as an organization for a really long time. Like you said, with the K the old KG trade and Paul Pierce trade, uh, like if KD ends up being re-injured, then this is all kind of a moot point, but yeah. if they're healthy, if they're healthy going into the playoffs with or without Kyrie, it's going to be a ton of matchup problems. What's just going to be interesting is that, like you said, we know that, that KD can play off of other great players. He did it with mm -hmm. Steph and clay and those guys. Um, we haven't seen that for a really long time with Harden. Like he didn't change his style of play, even when he was playing with Westbrook yeah. uh, 
players like CP3. Now, KD's better than both of those guys, but is he is he going to be willing to change, or is it going to kind of be like a my turn, your turn type of thing? And I don't know that that can really work in the playoffs, but we'll see. No, because you already you've already kind of seen that with Harden, Westbrooking, like KD. So we'll see. But yeah. and also Jared Allen was also traded as well, a big defensive player for the Nets as well. That's something to be bringing up. Yeah. yeah, because you know they gave away Karis Levert, who was a spark plug off the bench, mm-hmm. a really good player. Uh, Dinwiddie is out, I think, for the entire season. And yep. then, yeah, Jared Allen, who was a better player than DeAndre Jordan. Uh, but for some reason, they kind of favor DeAndre Jordan in the starting lineup, at least. I don't know why. It's a, I think it might be a best buds thing with KD and Kyrie, but... That helps. That happens in the <laughs> um, Yeah, how are, you, how are you feeling about Kyrie? I think, like we said, the first maybe four or five games, they were playing really well together. I watched one of their games where it might have been their opening night game where it just looked like nobody would be able to match up with them. And it was really interesting to even just that first game, start to think about what would happen if this team met the Lakers in the finals, because you know that LeBron and KD, they can go back and forth. They have in the past. Um, But then there wouldn't be a matchup for Kyrie on the Lakers side. And then the same for, for the nets, they wouldn't really have an answer for AD. So I was already starting to think about some of those things. But a lot, a lot has changed since then. We don't even know what the rest of the season is going to look like with COVID. But did you like that team at all with just Kyrie and KD? I thought they, I thought they should be the favorite to be in the Eastern Conference Finals for sure. I don't know if they'd be able to beat Miami or Milwaukee if they go there. Uh, now with Harden, I think they have to be the favorite because I don't know if there's anybody that can stop Harden, Kyrie, and KD on the floor at the same time. Um, so I think they should get out of the East at least now the matchup problem with the Lakers though. Um, nobody can guard Anthony Davis. Right. And I think he would be able to go off, especially with not without Jared Allen on the team anymore. Who's going to guard him? So, yeah. And the, and the Lakers have pieced together a more complete squad than they had mm-hmm. last year too. Like with Schroeder, he's an upgrade. They have some guys coming off the bench that can do some things. So I think obviously Lakers are still, are still favored. I'm trying to remember back, uh, Steven and Micah did an episode and they had their predictions. I'm trying to remember if it was Micah or Steven that predicted that the Nets would be going to the finals. Um, I think it was, what, was it Micah? I think Micah did. Okay. Maybe it was. Um, I don't hate that. I don't hate that pick. Like there, there is a, I think a wide gap between making it out of a place like the Eastern conference and then actually winning the championship. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if, if teams are, struggling to get their bearings and especially in another weird COVID season, if they go into the playoffs and a team like the Celtics and the, and the bucks still haven't like totally figured everything out, mm-hmm. talent might just win and their big three might just roll through everybody. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's ended up in the, in the finals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, l- let's get to what we brought you here <laughs> for before we do that though. I wanted to, well, well, I got you. I wanted to share a couple of good memories I have about hooping with you back in oh high boy. school. Okay. A couple, of, a couple of things that stand out. So I'm going to, I'm going to lay it down for the people. If you didn't get to watch Brandon Bitzer play in high school, uh, he's definitely one of the, the top players that USA has ever produced, which is a storied historical basketball program. Brandon was a very physical, big point guard. So think, think Darren Williams, but actually liked to compete. Uh, that's what I, and had more bounce. That's what I think of with bits. I remember 
playing alongside him. And, and there were times where I felt bad for the dude that was guarding you because you really like to lower your shoulder. And I had a front row seat typically being on the wing as you were driving into the paint. And I would see you put that shoulder into somebody mm-hmm. and they would just go <laughs> and get bounced back. And I loved it, man. It was, it was so fun playing with you. Was that a thing that you knew like, this is a, an advantage I have as the strength at that point guard position. Did you know that? Well, I'm flattered <laughs> that you would say that. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I mean, so the weight room, let's start USA weight room. Let's start there first. Okay. That's probably the reason why I was the player. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't the most skilled player. I, I had vision. I had strength. I had a little bit of quickness, but my strength and my size was at point guard was my, uh, um, my positive, I guess you could say. Yeah. I did like taking the air out of people's lungs sometimes when I was going through the, through the lane. Yes. I, I enjoyed contact. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. There, there's no doubt about that. And it was a lot of fun to <laughs> fun to watch. It wasn't fun to practice against, but uh, I loved when they would try to try to put smaller guards on you. And then I think even your senior year, they started to post you up a little bit. How did yeah. that feel? That was nice. Uh, and then I started going against uh, six, seven, six, eight guys from Ubley and that it didn't work anymore. But uh, the offense was definitely catered to uh, me my senior year, thankfully. But I played with so many great players that it made it easy. Right. Like you. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that, man. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then a couple of these other things that were kind of funny. I was just thinking back to playing with you is, is there was also you had this really weird. Um, like leaning floater that you would shoot at the top of your jump. And it's hard to really even explain, but you would, you already could out jump pretty much everybody and you would jump as high as you could. And then you had this leaning floater that you would release, like only using your, your wrist, like your, your arms were extended. Then you would shoot mm-hmm. up over people. And I remember sometimes being on the bench and watching you shoot those shots and like our assistant coach would turn around and he'd be like, you know, he really didn't have to do that shot. <laughs> and how did you figure out that shot? Cause that is, I mean, you see guys that'll shoot leaners. You see guys that yeah. shoot floaters. This was like a weird hybrid. Yeah. So I think I developed that actually in the uh, driveway playing against, uh, if I, I don't know if the listeners know Jordan, my older brother who played yeah. four years at central. Um, he was always taller than me. He was always better than me. Uh, but one thing I did have is I could jump. So anytime I got some type of space, I'd jump and then I'd get it as close to the basket as I could and just flick of the wrist. And that's only pretty much the only way I could score against them. So gotcha. I'm so, sure, you know, playing against Steven. So, yeah, I never was able to develop quite the same shot as that. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I, I, I think I just mostly packed it in when I had to mm. play against, play against Steven. Um, yeah. One on one against Steven is never fun. No, no. We, we experienced that we had some really good, some really good pickup games too. After we graduated high school and we go back home for the summer, I think back. And, and if we ever were lucky enough to get uh, Steven in the gym with us too, it was always kind of, kind of a nightmare. Do you remember when he dunked on uh, Zim and he dunked it so hard, the ball went through the rim and hit Zim in the face. I don't, I okay. honestly don't. I don't know if you were there that day. But was that, you said that was summer? Guard Steven. Huh? It was summer. Yeah. I think it was a summer, summer game. And so, if you weren't there, then I'm thinking that Zim probably had to check Steven. And so Yikes. Steven went down the lane and dunked it two handed and Zim ended up under the rim. And he actually dunked it so hard that 
it hit Zim in the face before it hit the ground. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty funny. Um, and then the Zim last, a, what's that? Zim was a little pest though. Oh, absolutely. He was a one pest. of the greatest defensive players ever to come through USA. Yeah, that's for sure. I agree. Oh man. I agree. He'll get lost in the shuffle, but, but definitely. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I remember is when the opposing crowd would try to get after our team and they would do the chant, they would do dribble, dribble, pass, shoot. So they're trying to copy whatever the player on the court is doing. And you would back the ball out as they're, as they're chanting dribble each time you dribble it. And you would just start dribbling it like a hundred times a minute. Mm -hmm. And the crowd would just go dribble, dribble. They couldn't keep up with it. And I remember just being on the wing and thinking like, that is so funny that we, we can in the midst of like the real game can also kind of mess around like that. And so I just thought that that was really fun. I think that's only something that, uh, a pretty talented player could sub <laughs> in the moment. Uh, speaking of that time, I remember it was at home against Cass City, I think, my junior year. And uh, I remember doing that, and, like, the crowd would laugh. I did it that one time, and the crowd laughed. And then I, it was, like, the end of the quarter or something, and Bone comes up to me, puts his hand on my shoulder, and he squeezes it, and he's like, if you turn the ball over when doing that, you're out of here. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, I'm not doing it anymore. That's fine. He to put you right back in. We know that. I know. Um, all right, man, let's talk about Michigan hoops. So I'll give you a little sure. bit of kind of the details of what I saw at the beginning of the season. So I haven't kept up with them at the same level that you have, but what I saw at the beginning of the year was a team that like a lot of teams was trying to find its way. And mm-hmm. I'd heard some of the off season rumblings of like, you know, Hey, Wagner, he grew another inch. He's like six ten. He could be a lottery pick. And then I'm watching these first four or five games and I'm like, Wagner looks like he doesn't even want to be out there. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't super impressed with uh, the point guard position with Mike Smith. I was like thinking, you know, Michigan and Michigan state are both dealing with the same problem, which is for three, at least three years, you had a point guard that you could 100% trust. And so you had that with Simpson and we had that with Winston mm-hmm. where it was like, no matter how bad things are going or how bad everybody else is doing, we have this dude that you can count on to be consistently pretty great. And I was like, we're having that problem. And so is Michigan. And then I I look here and like Mike Smith is up to almost six assists a game and nine points. And that doesn't like blow your socks off. Mm -mm. But looking at Michigan state's point guard position and situation, I would kill to have nine and five from the point guard spot. So were you thinking some of that same stuff at the beginning of the year? Uh, I was never really worried about Franz. I didn't think he was going to become the player that he, like what he played like last night against Wisconsin or the last few games, really. Uh, I, I believe he's a top 10 pick biased, obviously, but legit six ten. Um, I think he leads the big 10 in steals right now as well. Um, defensively he's, I mean, the whole team's a menace, but he is just everywhere. And then offensively, he just lets the game come to him. He's really long, really like two steps to the basket. Um, really good shooter. Uh, better shooter than his brother, um, who's in the NBA now. Um, as far as Mike Smith, um, yeah, I wasn't sold either at the beginning of the year, to be honest with you. Were you Like you said, we're used to Xavier Simpson, Trey Burke, all these point guards that can play in the pick and roll, create for other players, and he wasn't doing that. Um, turned the ball over earlier in the season. But now he's kind of coming into his own. The offense is like an NBA offense that's catered to strengths for everybody, like Hunter Dickinson in the post, um, Mike Smith in pick and rolls, Franz and ISOs on the on the wing or near baseline. 
And then I haven't even gotten to Isaiah Livers yet, who is also an NBA prospect who can shoot the lights out and defend and he's long. Um, yeah, the team's really coming into its own. Uh, absolutely embarrassing Wisconsin last night, which was very enjoyable to watch up 40 at one point. But yeah, at the beginning of the year, I was, I thought they were more of like an 11 and nine team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're big 10 contenders now. So I don't know. So Yeah. I mean, just to, just to kind of watch and see how that team has developed and kind of come into his mm-hmm. own, because it's funny how, uh, especially with college basketball teams, you can look at you can look at a roster on paper and and maybe watch a game or two and just talk yourself out of that team like completely you're just like they're not going to really amount to anything too crazy and then i was kind of the opposite with michigan state where i was like you know we have rocket mm-hmm. watts and i think he's a gamer and he's going to be ready to replace uh winston i think aaron henry is going to be like a top 20 pick mm-hmm. and then we're going to count on some other guys to like come into their own and really surprise us and none of that has happened and then you you have a team like Michigan that I was first watching, and I was like, you know, they got a this Hunter Dickinson kid. Like he's supposed to be a big time recruit, but he doesn't mm-hmm. look like he can do a whole lot. He's he's kind of robotic. Um, Mike Smith, I think they just thought he was going to be, you know, a band aid until they can maybe get their next point guard recruit. And Wagner, you get so used to his big brother that was an absolute like gamer, like torture mm-hmm. Michigan state be- just simply because he loved playing in the big games. And he's probably my least favorite player that Michigan has ever <laughs> produced, but that's a good thing. Like you want players like that. And yeah. I was just looking at Wagner. I'm like, you know, he doesn't have that, that part of his brother's game that you want where he's going to like snarl and, and really get into it. And then fast forward like five games and it seems like all this stuff has changed and you still have livers that we kind of knew was going to be the, the glue that was going to hold it all together. Mm-hmm. So count me impressed, man, I, 11 and 0, and you kind of go up and down the starting lineup and you really just like what you see, like all five starters are averaging almost 10 points a game. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's balanced. Very balanced. Um, back to Hunter Dickinson, when you brought him up, he is yeah. very, very stiff. Very, very stiff running up and down. But once he gets the ball on the block, he's got, he's, he can go over his, you showed he can go over his left shoulder. He obviously favors his right shoulder being a left-handed player, but um, Mike Smith, the last couple of games has made it really easy on him. You know what I mean? So, um, and then Johnny Brown coming off the bench, another transfer from Wake Forest. He's, he's showing that he can be a three and D player too off the bench. Um, as far as Mike Smith being a Band-Aid, he kind of is, to be honest with you. Okay. Until Zeb Jackson, uh, he was a high recruit um, coming in. He's a freshman. He's not really ready yet. He's like a long 6'5 point guard that, that's really athletic. Uh, he's just not ready yet. Okay. Yeah. We got we to gotta talk about Howard. And again, I'll start with what my thoughts were about him, or my hopes, what my hopes were. So he went one-on-one against Izzo last year, and that in itself kind of surprised me. I was thinking we have a new coach, like let's try to go two and O against this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I was hoping to be honest, to parallel it with football. I was hoping it would be like a hard situation where it was going to be a big splashy hire. Um, and maybe he would, he would field some good teams, but he wouldn't be able to win the big game. And we're kind of like seeing, you know, some of the, the opposite of some of that, like he's, he was clearly a coach that, had spent a ton of time in the pros knows exactly how to relate to his players. Like I think his players love playing for him. 
And I think it probably got, helps that he's like, he was an all-star yeah. in the NBA. Like that has to help. Mm-hmm. So what, what is, what has Howard shown you and how has it changed in the last, in this year compared to last year, if anything? Yeah. So when the hire came down, I think I texted you the night I was like, I'm not sold. Like, yeah. I don't know if this is the right, I don't know if this is the right hire because of what you said, like the Harbaugh thing, it hasn't went very well having a Michigan man come in and take over like beeline, man, my favorite coach still to this day out of any Michigan coach I've ever lived through. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I miss him still, but what Howard's done so far recruiting wise, we knew that was going to be better than beeline because beeline went off, went after a certain type of player. Um, and Howard's going after these lottery picks now. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the question about? Yeah. I was just curious, like how, how your thoughts about him have changed uh, this year with the hot start compared to last year, or has it kind of all been a pretty upward trajectory? Yeah. So beginning of last year, they kind of got off to a hot start. Um, I still don't think I'm, really ready to say he's won a big game yet, if that makes sense. Cause he really hasn't because we didn't have an NCAA tournament, a big 10 championship, and he didn't win the regular season last year. Um, we'll see once he plays at Michigan state, if he can win that kind of game or win a big game on the road. Um, but watching the players and how enthusiastic they are off the bench. And it, last night they're up 30 and Charney Brown's uh, from half court chasing down a block. You know what I mean? Everybody's diving on the floor up 35. Um, that's the kind of stuff you want to see, uh, in a team that you're rooting for. Yeah, I literally stood up and clapped when they were diving <laughs> on the floor up 35. I was screaming. Um, but yeah, I'm sold on him now. Um, I just hope he can win the big game. That's right. all. That's all I'm waiting to see pretty much. Yeah, I was, you know, I, I don't have any really major reason to dislike Harbaugh and we all know beeline. It was or I'm sorry, not Harbaugh, um, Howard. And we mm-hmm. all know it was almost impossible to dislike Beeline. Like you probably had something wrong with you if you disliked Beeline. <laughs> and the only solace I had with with the Beeline stuff is that Izzo ended up 3-0 and in their last three meetings against him. And I was like, mm-hmm. good. You know, that kind of closes the door on that. And then hopefully Howard will come in and, and kind of choke this thing away. And I really don't think that's going to be the case. I'm, I think he's a really good coach. He gets players to respond to him. Yeah. And he obviously knows the game. He spent so much time as an assistant uh, in the NBA in some really, really good organizations. Like he was with the Heat for quite a while, which is one of the best, most consistent organizations in the NBA. And I think with his ability to recruit, and you could even argue like develop guys, like if Wagner mm-hmm. ends up developing into a lottery pick, you know, yeah. that's on that's on Howard's watch that that, that happened. And so I think I think this is great for the state of of Michigan in terms of hoop rivalries like yep. it it was already great mm-hmm. and I think it's going to continue pretty much until Izzo retires and then it's up to Michigan State to like bring somebody in to replace him it's the best college basketball rivalry right now I no, nothing beats it nothing beats it right now not even Duke North, North Carolina not yeah, right now I'm, at least yeah I'm I, I'm with you man because it it almost seems like every year you kind of have to, to just bet even who, even when one clearly has the better team, you just have to assume that it's going to go 500. Like they're going to split, you know? And that's, that's what makes those rivalries so great. Like Michigan state was, was a lot better, not a lot better, but they were, they were quite a bit better. I thought they were more talented at almost every position last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And they still lost to, to Michigan and, 
you know, Winston was better than Simpson and Tillman was better than, you know, the second banana for, for Michigan and they still split. So I think that that has to say something about Howard and his ability to match up with Izzo a little bit. I agree. So, so what, what are your, uh, go ahead. If, if I just want to change gears real quick, what's going yeah. on with Michigan state right now then? Oh, like right. what, what do you, what are the core problems right now? Yeah. I was hoping we could gloss over that. Um, <laughs> dude, it's been brutal. It's been an up and down roller coaster and we're on the downslide. Um, so Michigan state, they were up to number four in the country. They had, they were fresh off a Duke win that wasn't as impressive as it would be like beating Duke most years. Like this is definitely mm-hmm. not a great Duke team, but still it was a Duke game. And having won that, I was starting to feel really good. And I was betting big on rocket cause they had him running the point and he had a couple of 20 point games, a couple of six assist games. Like I was feeling really good about it. And then all these like things just start to bubble up that you just didn't think was going to be possible. Like Henry starts to disappear. The point guard position just goes downhill, like to the point rocket they've shuffled their starting lineup rocket. Who's our second most talented player. I think behind Henry is like coming off the bench, playing about 15 minutes a game. We have, we're missing some, some post defense. We had Hauser that came in as a transfer. I like him. The first week, man, he looked like mm-hmm. he could be an all big 10 type of guy. He's playing really well. And then he kind of disappeared too. And so we're having a lot of issues, I think, defensively and rebounding wise, which is really strange. Yeah. Like Steven, <laughs> you got to be able to count on that stuff. Yeah. You have to count on being able to get in the trenches and play defense. And when we had done our emergency pod on Michigan State, it was mm-hmm. three games ago. And I was really, really down on him. And Steven was a little bit higher on him, just saying, like, you know, let's let's see how these next three games go. I think we're going to win these next three games. And then we're going to head into this matchup with Iowa, which is tomorrow, tomorrow. or Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to see, like, what we actually have with that. He was almost right. And I might have jinxed him on Twitter because I spoke a little too too soon. But we won those first two games. And then we were playing Purdue. We were up 17 in the second half and blew that game because we couldn't guard their post. We couldn't guard Travion Williams in the post. I think he had 24 points in the second half. He ended up hitting the game winner after we gave up an offensive rebound on a free throw. And these Mm -hmm. are just things that you can either look back on and kind of say, yeah, but if the ball would have just like, you know, went one way, um, then we would have been three and oh, after we'd had that podcast, or you can look at it and say, you know, Purdue put in their seven foot four center to rebound that free throw miss. We knew it was coming and we had a six, seven guy boxing him out. Yep. Like all we had to do was secure that ball. And so to me, a lot of that is just like Izzo has to look in the mirror and be like, yeah, maybe we should have uh, had somebody else in there that could have grabbed that rebound. I know you got to think about free throw shooting and all that stuff, but he's not totally blameless here either. So I, I wait, are know. you questioning, are you questioning Izzo right now? I'm, I'm questioning him a little bit, okay. a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I think so, we are a bit of a bubble team, which is really surprising to me. So I'm used to Michigan state in the beginning of the year playing Duke, North Carolina, like all these Gonzaga, all these big, big schools, they may lose a couple, but you know, at strength of schedule will never be a problem at Michigan state. And then when late January, February, March comes around, I expect Michigan state to be 
top notch right now. And I was the most excited to watch rocket play this year. Yeah. Cause I thought Winston's a little slower player, uh, quick, but slower. And I, I was ready to see rocket just run the fast break, like crazy this year, super athletic, super fast. Um, and I only, I've only watched two games to be honest with you, Michigan state, but the two of that I've watched, he's played kind of like just a little over half the game and he comes off the bench. So I'm yeah. kind of disappointed in that because like, like I said, I was the most excited to see rocket play this year, but yeah, he, he's my, he was my favorite player. <laughs> um, he's got to kind of earn that, earn yeah. that again. But, you know, I tried to explaining it uh, to Steven on an earlier pod where, you know, I had to try to talk him into rocket and he's smart for staying away from that because mm-hmm. now we see kind of what it's turned into. But I was saying last year, rocket, he didn't know what to do. Like he, he didn't, he really didn't know what was expected of him. And then this year at the beginning of the season, I started to feel like he now knows what's expected of him, but he doesn't know how to do it yet. Mm. And I know that that kind of sounds like the same thing, but there is a difference between knowing and not knowing. And then the next step is like figuring out how to actually follow through with the game plan. And I was like, I think in the second half of the season, like that's what he's going to figure out. And we're going to have, you know, a point guard that might be averaging like, 13 and six or something. And that to me almost feels like that's off the table now. But again, Izzo has made magic out of, you know, trash before. And we could be looking in a couple of weeks here and we maybe will be, you know, 500 or a game above 500 in the big 10 and be trending in the right direction. But there's not a whole lot to look at and be super pleased with. That's what worries me. Yeah. But uh, what are your, what are your thoughts as we round out the conversation? Is this, is this a real Michigan team? Are they going to start dropping games here and come back to come back to earth at some point? Uh, well, the last three games, um, it showed me that they can play against top competition, at least in the big 10 and dominate. We'll see if they can do it on the road against like a Michigan state and Iowa um, here down the road. I'm a believer right now, just because the team is so versatile offensively and defensively, they can switch everything. Hunter Dickinson can switch on a point guard and be okay. Um, but Franz livers, I believe this team should be a final four team. Now. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think this team's better than the Trey Burke team, to be honest with you. Dude. No, I really do. I really do. Just because the wings rounded. Yes. Yes. But Trey Burke's my favorite player of all time. I mean, national player of the year, but, we don't have a player like that on the team that can you can give the ball to and say, go get me a bucket at the point guard position, at least. Um, also, Hunter Dickinson, great passer out of the post. Um, but Franz, Fran, we go through Franz. That's all it is. Franz, Franz and Dickinson. So, Yeah, man. I, I'm going to start catching up on more of their games and, and see you know what they what they actually are, but I think at the end of this week, we could be looking at them being in the top four, maybe mm-hmm. top three in terms of ranking and much deserved. Like if you beat a, a good Wisconsin team and the final score is that you won by 22 or something, and that was actually closer than what it was, um, that that bodes well. So I'm I'm curious to see how the rest of it plays out. And I'm, just, I'm excited still, even though I think Michigan would be highly favored is to get these guys in the same, in the same arena and duke it out a little bit because mm-hmm. boy, Howard and Izzo going at it. I think that we, as, as people living in the state of Michigan, we need to appreciate this because we might only have five to seven more years of it. Yep. 
I agree. Yeah. Who knows when Howard goes back to the NBA too. So we'll see. Right. Yeah. Things can change quick, dude. I appreciate you joining me. If you don't have any other nuggets to leave the people, then uh, we'll end this conversation and, and we'll maybe revisit this in the future. Once Michigan or Michigan state wins a national championship this year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wishful thinking. Uh, I will, I know it's a Michigan state heavy podcast, but I'll, I'll give a go blue out there for anybody that's a Michigan fan. Other than that, it's been an honor uh, talking to you. Yeah, man. Thanks for joining me. And um, let's get some shots up sometime, man. Just to, just for old time's sake. That might be rough. <laughs> it might be rough. I agree. <laughs> we won't get video of that. All right. Thank you guys no. for listening. We appreciate it. Peace.